before. We've been in this portion of Mark before when we were studying through Mark. And today I want to take an aerial view of something that we once looked at in depth. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. It says, In the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, sleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared, and they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? I want to speak this moment, this evening, for a few moments on trusting the Lord in the storms of life. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we again thank you for this opportunity to gather here and study your word. Lord, I pray that we glean a few thoughts from this text this evening about trusting you, about being with you, about following after you. Lord, I pray that you will deepen our understanding about you. <laughs> Help us to learn more about you, which will in return, the more we know about you, will be the more that we trust you. And the less we look to ourselves. We give great thanks to you, Lord. We give great praise for you allowing us to gather at the Witten Place Baptist Church. What a blessing it is to be here. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. It was not long ago after that tornado had come through down south, they had pictures of the damage posted on Facebook. In this one community, it was a mix of houses and slash mobile homes. Everything had seemed to be wiped away. But in the pictures, as I strolled through them, here it was, two homes completely gone. But what separated the two homes was this mighty oak tree. While the homes were gone, the oak tree stood strong. It was amazing to me that this oak tree was still there, and yet everything around it was decimated. They said that the reason that this tree stood strong and this oak tree still stood even in the midst of the tornado was that an oak tree's roots go deep. They go real deep. And so when the storm came and when the trouble came, while the foundations of the homes were not deep, the tree was able to withstand the storms because it was deeply rooted. I'm sure this is exactly where we all need to be in our own spiritual lives. 
the disciples here in Mark chapter 4 are preparing to face a storm in their life. Recognize the storm is unexpected. The storm did not come out of the will of God. It was in the will of God. And even more to say, the storm was the will of God. And it is the same for us, that we will face storms, not only when we're out of the will of God, but when we're in the will of God. And even more, we will be able to withstand the storms when we are deeply rooted in the Lord. I'm sure that it is said, we've all heard this before, that you are either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or preparing to go into a storm. But what do we do when the storm clouds roll in and our life goes from calm to chaos? What is it when we receive news in our lives that we don't want to hear? What is it when we start to ponder things that causes us to, at times, we say, I can't control this, and I can't control this, and we get so overwhelmed. What do we do when it seems like our flesh wants to be frantic, yet we know in truth we should be calm? Mark tells us here, and this is kind of what we've been going through on Wednesday nights, sticking with Jesus, walking with Jesus, and here in this text, it says loud and clear, run to Jesus. Take refuge in the one who controls the waves. Spurgeon says that he has learned to kiss the waves that cast him upon the rock that is stronger than him. And so it is. When troubles come in our life and when trials come in our life, though it may toss us to and fro, if it casts us upon the Lord, embrace the wave that causes you to cling to the Lord. He makes the difference between chaos and a welcome refuge. We get into Mark chapter 4 here, and we've covered this, as I said, in previous studies. He's just covered with the disciples as he's prepared to cross over. We get into Mark chapter 5. We see the demoniac of Gadara. But coming from this, we've seen many great miracles, many great parables. The grain of the, uh, the, the parable of the mustard seed. We've seen the candle upon the candlestick. The growing seed, the parable of the sower. There was so much to learn. The, the, the apostles, the disciples had already learned so much, yet the Lord had so much for, more for them to learn. In this aerial view here, not going verse by verse, the first thing that this can teach us, if you read verses 35 through 41, is that if you read verses 35 through 41 and insert yourself that you are like the disciples and you too go through uh, the storms of life, that you too are going to face storms, and all of these things are true. But if you make this story about you, you will miss the comfort that this story is really trying to provide. You'll miss what really is trying to be brought to our attention here. A greater truth about our Lord. A greater understanding of exactly who our Lord is. And maybe even for us here this evening, maybe you're in a storm. Maybe you're knowing of a storm that's looming and you're worried about it. But the comfort comes not from the fact that everyone goes through the storms. But what matters is that, that we get a hold of the fact that so gripped the disciples. 
Let me say it again. Is that we get a hold of this fact that gripped the disciples. You know that the ones that followed the Lord day in and day out in verse 41. This, this is always brings amazement to me when you read this portion about in Mark about the storm. Amazement. You read in verse 41. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? They followed the Lord daily. They witnessed his miracles daily. They were literally walking with the Lord and yet not had, had not fully understand, understood the Lord's power. They had not fully grasped his greatness. They had not fully grasped his deity. They didn't fully understand the power of his nature. And because they did not understand this, it caused them to fall into great fear in the storm. You see that? And so it is that as we walk in our Christian lives, the lack of understanding who the Lord is causes us to fear at times when we should not be afraid. Matter of fact, after the Lord proves that he is truly sovereign over nature, his immediate turn to the disciple was, why are you so fearful? It wasn't that the storms wasn't treacherous. It wasn't that the ship wasn't full of water. It was that the Lord was trying to bring to their attention, remember who was in the boat. This is the reality of it all. This isn't to say that Mark 4 doesn't make us believe that we're going to face storms that we don't like. That we are going to face storms that at times while we're facing them in service to the Lord, the water may fill up our boat. It may at times feel like we're going to sink. Matter of fact, the disciples said they believed that they were going to die. And the Lord still says, why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful if you know I'm with you? Why are you afraid if you know I'm right here with you in the boat? This is the most comforting thing that I, I one of the first things I draw and extract from Mark chapter 4 is that the, the big thing that brings me comfort isn't that they go through storms, it's that Jesus is in my boot. It's that he's with me in this life. That I'm not walking alone, but I am walking with him. That's what matters about the storm, that Jesus is in the boat. Also note this, safe arrival for the disciples was embedded in the command of Jesus. They were not going to sink doing his will. They were not going to sink heeding his commands. They were guaranteed safe arrival. This is also for us in our storms of our life. We must trust the one who commands our life. We must trust the one who has given us these commands. Now we may say, what do you deem as safe arrival? Do you deem safe arrival as safe arrival on the other side of this storm in my life? 
Do you deem safe arrival that I'm actually going to make it through cancer? What is the guarantee that you're going to give me? <laughs> My guarantee is that if you just walk with Jesus, you will make it to the other side with Jesus. <laughs> because that's what our guarantee is, whether it's with him in heaven or not. Verse 35 reads this. Isn't this one of the things that we struggle with the most about this portion of the gospel? And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. Why did Jesus even compel the disciples to cross that sea that evening? Well, the most obvious reason is that Jesus wanted to retreat from the crowd. Matter of fact, Mark continuously brings this to us, does he not? Mark is an action-packed gospel. Jesus is constantly on the move, but yet we see coming up to this portion of the text that Jesus wanted to retreat from this area. He wanted to retreat from the crowd. Several times in Mark, we see that, that the Lord withdrew himself because the people thronged him. Likewise, Jesus led the disciples to travel that evening because he had an ministry appointment on the other side of the sea. We can't miss this. Verse five, chapter 5 and verse 1, we're introduced to the demoniac of Gadara that is right there waiting for Jesus when he arrives on the other side of the sea. But did you miss what happened there? Parables, teachings, healings. Jesus commands to cross to the other side. And as he's crossing to the other side, the disciples face the storm. So the reward of his disciples encountering a storm would be that they would find themselves on a shore of a lost man, possessed man, possessed with devils, and the Lord about to do his work. And the Lord could only do his work on that day because the night before his disciples who knew him his disciples who loved him his disciples who were exhausted from the battles of ministry exhausted from ministry as a, a whole could get a first-hand experience that the lord knows exactly what he's doing so what is the application here for us the reality is that we in our own christian lives may face storms that the Lord puts us through so that when we arrive to safety on the other shore, that he may have someone there for us to encounter. Have you ever thought that the God has put you in a storm in your life so that you could be used for a purpose that has nothing to do with you? That's what he did here. The disciples were in a storm, but yet he used them in this storm to arrive on the other side they faced the storm, should I say, and arrived on the other side so that the Lord could preach and heal this demoniac. Remember, the disciples are traveling with Jesus, as we said earlier. You'll miss this point if you don't come with the grips that the come with the grips that the truth that the storm, the storm was a surprise to the disciples, but it was not a surprise to Jesus. And neither are the storms of our life. They may be a surprise to you, but not the Lord. Look at verse 37 and here. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. This verse is relatable to me. 
I don't know if it's relatable to you. And there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? My mind is drawn back to back when I was a powerhouse operator for a company called Smithfield Foods. One day when I was the operator and I really prided myself in believing that I was the best. And others told me that I was the best, which didn't even help my cause. But one day that there was this power outage and when the power outage happened, uh, when the power blipped, it came back on. And when the power came back on, the first thing I was doing was running around trying to get the power plant started back up. But I couldn't. And I tried for hours and production was waiting for me to get the power back on. And I could not figure out what was wrong. I was certain that the, the problem that was prohibiting me from starting the plant back up was probably the most complex matter known to mankind and no one could fix it. So finally, third shift arrived in the facility, and the operator walked in, and he asked what was going on. I explained it all to him. He walked back to the back of the room and flipped the breaker on, and I started the entire plant up. So intelligent, but my pride was wrecked. I, I was confident that I was the best, yet I was totally confused. Simple matter confounded me. I think I had come to the realization that that night that I was not as good as I would like to think of myself. I was beside myself with failure. Here in verse 37, these men were so overwhelmed. Think about this. They were not just men. This wasn't their first time being on a boat. Their dad Two of the men, their father owned a whole shipping crew, a fishing crew. They owned several ships. This wasn't their first time on the sea. This wasn't the first time that they had ever directed a boat. This isn't the first time they ever sailed. And yet what they had the most confidence in was that they could handle the ship. You see, it didn't bother them when they first got on the ship and Jesus was asleep in the ship. It only bothered them when the storm came. Yet we recognize that the confidence they had in their life, the confidence that they had in this, is that they could handle the ship, which brings me to this point here, and I keep circling around it, is that the storms of life that often overwhelm us are in areas that we are most confident in. See, the disciples, they were most confident in sailing. They were most confident in being upon the water. This is where they had their training. This is where their expertise was. Yet in this moment, they were so overwhelmed that it took the storm in their life to bring them to a place that they are not as good as they believe they are that their confidence was brought down to nothing to where they asked the Lord, don't you even care if we perish, which bothers me. Because we do this even in our own life. Notice what they said in verse 38. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest not that we perish? You see what they said? 
Lord, save us. No, they didn't. Lord, help us here. No. You see, the disciples viewed their storm as something outside of the Lord's capability of fixing. That's why they said, don't you even care if we perish? They didn't say, calm the storm. They didn't say, calm the sea. They didn't say, Lord, save us. They just want the Lord to be up and frantic like they were. They want him running the ship. Aren't you even caring? Aren't you disturbed by this? I view this portion of Mark chapter 4 like the Isaiah chapter 6 of the New Testament. Isaiah 6, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I seen also the Lord high and lifted up, and he was sitting upon the throne, and his train filled the temple. Yet in the year of tragedy, in the year of a great loss, God was still on the throne, and he was not frantic. Here in the New Testament, this great storm was upon them. They thought that they was going to fear, their, fear for their lives. They thought it was coming to the end. And where do we find the Lord? At complete peace calm. Why? What's the difference? Is he not on the same boat? He is. But his trust is rested in his heavenly father. And this is where we have to recognize. They said, do you not even care if we perish? This is a constant reminder to us in service for the Lord. Verse 38 says that days aren't always going to be sunshine. Skies are not always going to be blue. The winds are not going to always be calm. The sun, the sky is not always going to be pretty. And weather will not always be pleasant. At some point, the calm waters will become turbulent. At some point, the storms of life will unexpectedly come. And they will happen without warning. And they will happen when you least expect it. Our faith in the Lord will not prevent storms from coming. As a matter of fact, there are times when disobedience to God will lead you directly into a storm. If we had time, you could read the book of Jonah and find all about, all about that. But it means to be disobedient. But in also, in following the Lord, we face the storms of life. Verse 38 opens our eyes to how the Lord views our storms, does it not? One of the view places, one of the views here, uh, we, we read that in one of the verses here in verse 38, we read that Jesus was asleep. When he first boarded the ship, they knew he was exhausted from ministry, but now he was fast asleep in the storm, and the disciples took problem with that. Taking problem with the thought that Jesus didn't even care for their storm that Jesus had no concern for their condition. And in Mark 4, we see that fear had filled the disciples and the Lord was sleeping and the disciples are upset and they began to think he doesn't care when the reality is, is that they had nothing to fear because he was in the boat. It's hard to read of the disciples' frustration with Jesus about sleeping, is it not? I mean, it, okay, in the aspect of you take it at first reading, we say, well, I mean, I would maybe be upset too that not everybody is frantic like us, but 
It's interesting that the disciples find great frustration with the Lord that he's sleeping inside of the boat. In just a few chapters from now, we're going to find the Lord in his darkest hour when he's weeping and he's sweating, sweating as if it were great drops of blood. And as he comes out two times from the garden of Gethsemane, where does he find the disciples in his dark hour? They were sleeping. It's interesting about how things changed. They wanted the Lord to save them in their dark hour. And they wanted the Lord to be frantic with them in their dark hour. But in the Lord's dark hour, they were so weary, they couldn't even stay and pray with him a while. I think this is oftentimes troubling unto us how narrow our view is. We want him always to rescue us but we miss where we should be oftentimes. We want to be rescued from our, uh, our storms in our life, but we miss our appointments of prayer. And in times where we have the doors open to fulfill our duty, we sleep through it. But Jesus' sleep here, Jesus sleeping here in this text was not spiritual negligence in a crisis moment. It, it, Jesus slept in confidence. The Lord of nature does not panic when winds blow and waves crash. But the disciples interpreted that he slept another way. They doubted Jesus' steadfast love and sovereign authority. We must not even make our, these mistakes even in our own life. We must never allow ourselves to arrive at a place where we doubt Jesus' steadfast love for us even in our storms. Notice how they doubted this in two ways. In verse 38, Master, carest not thou not that we perish? The disciples were convinced that they were going to die in this storm. Even though, you have to keep going back to this, Jesus was on board. They only viewed him as this teacher, Master, not as the Lord of nature. As we said, at least seven of the 12 disciples were fishermen. They, they knew the sea like the back of their hands. But when they looked at Jesus, he was a carpenter who was turned into rabbi, not the Lord of nature. The view of what they had of the Lord was obscured, which limited to what they would cry out for. What did he know about this sea? What could Jesus do about this storm? The disciples concluded Jesus could do nothing about this situation. And so in return, they asked nothing of him. Instead, they asked whether he cared whether they were going to die. Their fear, their question was of fear. Their question was of desperation. Their question was of anger. It was more of a rebuke than a question. They didn't, uh, they did not think that Jesus could even help, but the least he could do would be to pray for them or to encourage them to do something. Instead, Jesus was fast asleep on this pillow. And the needy creatures dared to rebuke their sovereign creator. They didn't challenge the Lord. Their question was simply doubt on display. It happens to us well. We often question the Lord's loving concern when the storms are raging. And oftentimes, even though it may not be saying it, our lack of prayer about the storms of life, the troubles we experience, we say that the Lord does not care about us, but if he did, he would not allow us to go through the problems, yet we've never petitioned him to handle the problems. Instead, we've only complained about the problems that we've experienced. So we try to handle it 
ourselves. Yet the problem is you cannot believe in Jesus and yourself at the same time. This is where the disciples had to get to. You can't just be in the boat trusting your skill, your craft, your work, that you have this handled. Matter of fact, you would even say that their desire to have Jesus awake and pray, they still had not yet turned over the oars to the Lord. Yet, we do this too. We say, Lord, can't you see I'm trying? I'm doing my very best. I've given my all. But yet, in the same breath, we say, help us. But we hold on to the oars. We hold on to the way this is going. So Jesus continues to wait until you recognize that you cannot make it through the storm without him. The question is not, does Jesus care about you perishing? It's why have you waited so long to call upon Jesus? This amazing scene, the disciples woke up. They asked him if he even cared about their impending doom. Can you imagine that? Waking up, the one who's sovereign over nature, sovereign over all. Do you even care if we're going to perish? He wakes them up. He, they wake the Lord up and tell him about their impending doom. They didn't ask him to do anything, but Jesus did something that blew their minds. The one who, this is amazing, the one who laid down as man, exhausted from ministry, yet was stood up in this moment. They looked at him in his fatigue, in his weariness of his flesh, and almost brought him down to their level, recognizing the weariness of his flesh, not recognizing the deity that was within him. They woke up this sleeping Lord to see him stand up and be sovereign over nature when he says, peace, be still. <laughs> Could just imagine this. Frantic. Everybody running, everybody crying, everybody screaming. It says there that, uh, that in verse 37, that and there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. You can't get away from that. Now full. I mean, they woke the Lord up. I just could imagine the Lord as they're, he wakes up and they're standing in all this water, frantic, and he wipes the sleep from his eyes and says, peace be still. That is the true reality of his humanity and yet his deity. He is 100% man and yet he was 100% God. Explain more. Let him tell you when you get there. But it was true nevertheless. The Lord who needed rest had power over all nature. He said, peace be still. What does this mean for us today on an aerial view of Mark chapter 4 in these verses? The reality of this text is this. First of all, do you believe in the one who is in the ship with you? More than just your salvation. Do you believe in the one who is in the boat with you? Do you believe in miracles today? Do you believe that the Lord that we serve is still sovereign over nature? I do. Do you believe that 
the Lord that we serve today could still calm the storms? I do. Do I believe that the Lord that I serve today can cause the entire world to crumble? I do. I believe that the God of Psalms 46 is the God that I serve today. And I believe that the, what the Lord is teaching us here is not about we all go through storms, but it's that what makes us make it through storms is having a better understanding about who Jesus is. Just who he is to us and who he is in the storms of our life. The recognition also is that, and the reality is that, just because you go through a storm doesn't mean that God is fully trying to teach you something. He may be trying to get your ship to land on the shore of someone else who desperately needs the gospel. And if we truly believe that, then we must recognize when we face the storms in our life that whoever we encounter, God may be trying to use us to reach them. It also brings us to the reality that the storms we face may not be because we're out of the will of God, but because we're 100% in the will of God. And it's also to say that even when this world seems to drown us out, even when it seems that we can't go on, even when it seems that it crumbles us to our very knees, that we look and have the same outlook that the disciples have, our ship is now full. May we never run the risk. May we never bring ourselves into the same foolish statements that the disciples did when they said, don't you even care that we perish? Of course he cares. And the reality is that he is the one who's commanded the affairs of this life. If we are in his will, then we are led by his will. And if we are living in his will, then we are led by the Holy Spirit, which means if we follow the Lord and we live in his word and we're led by the Spirit, we'll not find ourselves out of his will, which gives me all the more comfort and confidence that when the storms of this life come and when the storms rage and the battles rage, that I can have great peace because he knows exactly what he's doing. This is the comfort of it all. I've been on this great search here in these last several weeks trying to get a closer walk with my Lord. I, I want to understand more who is Jesus. I, I want to understand more about what caused all to follow him. I, I want to understand more about what he did in his earthly ministry. And it has brought me great comfort, even in my own life, learning more about Jesus. I know that oftentimes we approach the word of God and say we want to study this and we want to study that. But I say this, in all of the studies that we do, give time to learn more about Jesus. If you give time to learn more about Jesus, it will only strengthen your spiritual walk. And when the storms come and when the battles come, you'll be like that picture that they put out on Facebook of the tornado that came through. Houses will be uprooted. Mobile homes will be gone. And there will be the oak that survived the storm because its roots were deep, deep rooted in the word of God. Let's pray. 
Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for this opportunity to deliver your word, Lord. I pray that you'll strengthen us and that you'll uh, encourage us in your word, Lord, that we may learn and understand more that this life that we face, Lord, it's guaranteed to have battles and troubles and storms. But it's also, Lord, in the midst of all these battles and troubles and storms, there's purpose. There's purpose. There's no such thing as um, needless trials. Every moment of suffering that we go through in life, according to Hebrews, brings a greater weight of glory. Lord, I give thanks to you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank <laughs> you.